Hello, everybody. This is Mark Thompson, and this is the Chief Executive Podcast. And I have with me, during these four sessions on women in leadership, Dr. Benita Thompson, the foremost expert on collaborative leadership. In this first conversation, we are going to talk about the three vital leadership skills for women. And Benita, you had an opportunity to travel with me to the World Economic Forum, and we heard from Madeleine Albright, Gloria Steinem, we listened to the presidents of countries, we had even time with Desmond Tutu. What was the big takeaway for this first of four segments that you would say is a deeper insight that women leaders need to, to have well, impact? It's not easy for women leaders. There's a lot of cultural barriers to becoming a leader as a woman. And so these women were very strong, but also willing to listen to others. These people were very willing to face the truth. And, and they were they showed all the signs of a great collaborative leader. Well, I think you're gonna enjoy this first segment of the four on women in leadership. Please enjoy this show. In a world where it's getting a lot harder to trust our leaders, whether in government, in corporate America, or even in the church, I think women are coming to the rescue. I believe women have the natural skills that are becoming the new role model for leadership in the 21st century. Every effective leader I meet is using three fundamental leadership strategies to prepare herself for leadership. The first fundamental is collaboration. Collaboration means that you work together, that you network, and you get everybody's input. Then you make the tough call. But there is a huge irony here, because collaboration used to be a big disadvantage. It used to be seen as indecisive. A person who brought this point home for me was Denise Brousseau of the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. She told me that women engage in collaboration fairly naturally but it used to work against them. Lots of Wall Street investors didn't like the way collaborative women played the game. We're not seeing the women do this. And they were saying, you know, why should I fund them? They don't have big dreams. They don't think big enough. They don't, you know, they're not looking to, to conquer the world and make a billion dollars. And why should I put my money to work with them if I can get a billion dollar return over here with X male entrepreneur? And I think now, I was at a dinner last night with a couple of VCs and we were talking about this issue and we were kidding about it from the perspective and one of the guys says, you know, maybe you're right, Denise, maybe the women will get a better shot now because we are far more willing to listen to someone who has a realistic business plan and not to build it on hype. We just don't think we can get away with that kind of thing. You know, we don't have that testosterone. That's not the way we play the game. And now that game is out of fashion as investment dollars now flow to collaborative leaders. In fact, economists were shocked by several studies that demonstrated that when women get the majority of economic development money to start up businesses in developing countries, they use a collaborative approach. And most important, those economies do much better. If 60% or more of the economic development money was going to women, the community thrived. And they were really able to point to several particular reasons. When the men got money in their pockets from their businesses, unfortunately, they were sending it on whatever the going thing was, betel nuts or cigarettes. And instead, the woman was spending it on her family, the school, the community, whatever it might be that was ma making the whole community thrive. It was so dramatic and so shocking to these economists that they went back and studied more countries because they didn't believe it. And yet it's proven to be true. In the second study that followed, it was exactly the same thing. Women want their community to thrive. So it's not that our brains are bigger, it's just that we're motivated differently because that's how we're happier. When leaders collaborate, the whole team is happier and more effective. 
But feminist Gloria Steinem thinks that women are trained to be collaborators. They aren't necessarily born that way. It doesn't have anything to do with biology. It's not inevitable. It's just that we're socialized in a different way. Women are more likely to lead in a cooperative way, if only because we're punished for being authoritative. <laughs> you know, So we're more likely to say, here's what needs doing, not do this, do that, give credit. Giving credit is a key component of collaboration. But that doesn't mean that a military style is a bad thing. It's just that an effective leader knows when to use that skill, like when a crisis situation demands it in an emergency. But on most days of the week, under normal circumstances, collaboration is more appropriate. It isn't that it's better or worse, it's that it's better adapted to specific situations. You know, maybe for purposes of brain surgery or <laughs> a fire emergency, you need a hierarchy, you know. But for most situations, you don't. This style of leadership is something that many men do as well. It's just that they may be penalized for it. They may be seen as weak or uh, not properly decisive. So we each are pushing the, the, the gender barriers and trying to find the style of leadership for the particular situation we're in and that maximizes people's talents. I think the larger point is that we all have something to learn from each other. And learning is essential for collaboration. Madeleine Albright, the first woman Secretary of State, told me that the most important part of collaboration is networking. An effective leader needs to reach out to find people to support her goals. I met Albright at the World Economic Forum, one of the world's most exclusive gatherings of top world leaders. She told me that women are usually good collaborators, but ironically, it's the boys that have the most powerful network. I would encourage women to network. Women are very good friends to each other, generally, but we need to do more in networking. There is a boys network, and there needs to be a women's network, and I think that it is essential for women to help each other. As women help each other through collaboration, they must be persistent enough to accomplish their goals. And that is the second leadership skill, persistence. Persistence means you hang in there and you take an active role. As Madeleine Albright suggests, persistence means not waiting to be called on. I would say, first of all, that it would be very important to interrupt. I think that what happens um, in meetings and in life is that <clears throat> women raise their hands and ask to be called on and men interrupt. And when I taught my classes, I uh, eliminated the hand raising. It made it kind of a zoo, but nevertheless, I think that women need to interrupt. Learning to interrupt takes confidence and persistence. And newswoman Barbara Walters knows all about persistence. She holds one of the longest tenures for any woman in TV journalism. She told me at the World Economic Forum that women are often afraid that their persistence will work against them. One of the messages that came out is the insecurity of many women in the beginning, the fear, whether it's in politics or in business, of taking that risk. We asked one question, can you have it all? What does it take to have a, a fulfilling and important career, to have a marriage and to have children? And Ellen Futter, who is the uh, head of the uh, Museum of Natural History in uh, New York City. I said, what do you have to give up? And she said, sleep. Do you remember years ago we used to say that we will know when women have made it, when we can have mediocre female leaders? Do you remember that? Well, we hope that one day we won't be having this kind of a discussion, that there will be just enough women so that we won't be talking about 10%. The percentages won't even matter. And someone who beat those odds is Elaine Chow, the U.S. Secretary of Labor. She told me that being persistent was the only way she could overcome the enormous competition and the trade-offs to get that job. I say this with not any um, 
with not any sort of boastfulness, but I'm the first Asian American woman ever to be appointed to a cabinet. And so I'm very sensitive to cultural differences. I think um, it's important to um, understand that it's a very competitive world. And I think sometimes uh, a lot of people are not used to how competitive uh, a true pursuit really is. And then secondly, that there are going to be trade-offs. And that uh, it's very important to understand these trade-offs before um, she makes them. And trade-offs are what make being persistent so damn important. I heard every woman leader talk about trade-offs. The trade-offs between work and family. Agnes Terrain is CEO of Vivendi Universal Publishing, one of the world's largest publishing companies. She says it's just not fair. You feel guilty all the time. If you don't work, you feel guilty because you stay at home. If you work, you feel guilty because you are not supposed to take care of the children. I'm sure nobody's asking a businessman, how does he do with his kids? And everybody's saying, oh my God, your kids should be completely mad. Women put up with a lot of questions about their families, children, and even just being a woman. Men don't get those questions. In fact, I fell into that trap when I asked President Freiburga of Latvia what it's like to be that country's first woman president. What's it like to be a woman president? I can tell them quite frankly. It's like being a woman. I've been that all my life and shall continue to be so. And I hope to be remembered as the best president that Latvia ever had. And I hope that the next president who follows me will work equally hard, be they man or woman, at being the best president that they can possibly be and that the country can have. And being the best you can be takes persistence, particularly when you're the first woman to be the leader. Agnes Terrain is the first woman CEO of a $3 billion company in Paris. I'm the CEO and chairman, and some men are asking, I would like to talk to the CEO and chairman of VUP, the Universal Publishing. I'm saying, it's me. Oh my God, it's you. <laughs> so you should not be hurted by this. An effective leader survives this kind of abuse using three vital leadership skills, persistence, a collaborative network of supporters, and a clear sense of purpose to achieve her mission. Clarity of purpose is the third vital skill. Women leaders tell me that clarity of purpose comes when they have taken the time to understand what really matters to them and what has meaning in their lives, and then they focus all of their energy on that mission. Denise Brousseau thinks that this sense of purpose helps effective leaders face the harsh reality of leadership. It's also true that women CEOs have to also face reality that's the same as male CEOs. That it, it means you're more visible and more of a role model and you're forging the path and thus you have to be pretty darn brave to get up there and do it again as a woman. It is about being a punching bag. You will always be disliked and if you're not disliked in some ways in my mind you're doing something wrong. And I think that has been hard for some women. I think we tend to want to be liked. And I know that I don't need to be liked so desperately when I'm following my dream, my purpose in life. One person who really brought this point home for me was human rights activist Irene Kahn, managing director for Amnesty International. She's a Harvard-educated lawyer who grew up in one of the world's poorest countries, Bangladesh, where she witnessed the atrocities of civil war. What uh, drove me was, you know, I come from Bangladesh, which is a very, very poor country. I lived through the civil war in 1971 there, and I saw some terrible things that people did to people, violations that took place. But at the same time, I saw the power of civil society. I saw groups getting together. I saw women coming out of their homes and building the new state when, when it was born. And from that, I think I realized that as an individual, I could also make a difference. And making a difference is what leadership is all about. And when the leader has a clear sense of purpose, she can inspire herself and her team to do more than they ever thought possible. For me, there's no more powerful example of all three leadership skills 
collaboration, persistence, and clarity of purpose than the long struggle to democracy in South Africa. Ambassador Sheila Sisulu, the first black woman South African ambassador to the U.S., told me that when the new democratic government was created, the women of South Africa lobbied to make sure that at least a third of parliament would be women, which, at 30%, makes women better represented in South Africa than even the United States or other older democracies. Among the men who joined the efforts was Nobel Peace Prize winner Desmond Tutu. As a final illustration, I thought I'd share my conversation with him about the role of the church and the role of women in a country where there are both modern and primitive views about women. I would say to, to her, reach out for the stars. You see, I come from a country which was very paternalistic and perhaps still is on both sides. I mean, the Afrikaners and the, and the African and the place of a woman, uh, they would say, uh, is in the kitchen. There is still a great deal of prejudice but because you have the legal instruments, the statutory instruments that say discrimination is prohibited, that I, I would want to say, hey, go for it. And in a, in a sense, too, speaking about what happened in our church, for a long time, women were not ordained to the priesthood for all sorts of reasons that we gave. And then we decided that women were going to be ordained to the priesthood. The incredible enrichment that has come, how impoverished we have been and for so long. And so I, I would want to say, hey, go for it. Go for it, girl. Thanks for listening to the Chief Executive Podcast. I'm Mark Thompson, and please don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes every week.